Hello and welcome back to our podcast. Today I was meant to do psalm, to continue the psalm, but I decided instead to do a tribute to the leaders and to the members of Agape Methodist Church. Let me explain why. Every year around this time, I have the privilege of reading reports by chairpersons of each of the ministries, um, the leaders of the church, who then make reports of the work that has been done over the year, about the progress and the difficulties that they experienced. And it's always a joy reading their reports. And I wanted so today, the problem with these reports is that they're private only for the eyes of um, the other leaders of the church. But there is so much that's being done that I wish that the congregation would know about it, would also thank God and praise God for the work that's being done. And so I thought for today, I shall do a tribute to the leaders and the members of Agape Methodist Church. It reminds me of this passage from the Bible, from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 to 8, that says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labour. Now Paul isn't saying that the one who waters and the one who plants is not important. In fact, he says that each one will receive his wages according to his labour. Those who have worked very hard will receive the wages due to one who has worked very hard. But at the same time, we also acknowledge that no matter how much we water and how much we plant, nothing happens unless God gives the growth. And so, while we understand, while we know that it is God who gives the growth, I think it's still important that we pay a tribute to those who have laboured, to those who have served hard. And that is not simply the church leadership alone, it is the members who have come alongside us to serve together. Now in this report, we get reports from both the administrative side like finance, governance, property. And you see a lot of work being done by property these two years, the escalator, the lift, the renovations that will come very soon. But what I want to emphasize, to highlight today, is more on the ministry work of the church. Obviously, I cannot summarize all the reports, so much has been done. But what I'll do is to pick up some of the areas that, and highlight them and to draw conclusions from them that show us the health of our church and how much we want to thank God and how grateful we are for those who have come along to serve. Our people have worked very hard, but what is more, is that they have worked with their hearts and minds in the right places. As I read each of these reports, including those of our local preachers, I see the passion and the love they have for God and for people, and in what they do, in the work that they do. So let me highlight some of these. Obviously, what I write is not meant to be exhaustive. It can't even be an executive summary. It's just a little bit of what has been done. And yet I'll point out some of the attitudes that the work was done with. 
and the attitudes observed in one ministry is largely indicative of general ethos pervading the church. Now, one of the most heartwarming observations I've made is that leaders see their role not just in leading the committees and teams, but in asking how they can be involved with and in each other's ministries. That is so important. It means that our leaders do not just look at the perimeters of their ministry and say, let me fix, uh, let me focus on this ministry and let it grow. But rather they look around and ask, who needs our help? Where can we find help? How can, where can we join in to work together? While this administratively is rather messy because we might say, oh yeah, but if there's collaboration, where does the money come from? Which committee does it come from? And these are important considerations, but the fact that they do not care very much is a good thing too. Because it's almost like, well, we could use yours, we could use mine, we could use half of yours and half of mine. But whatever it is, we will use the resources that you, your committee has and my committee has and work together to make something beautiful. This is one of the most important things that a church can have. And it brings so much joy to me. One of the things, even as our leaders organize training sessions or events, or in simply executing the ministry's work, the common refrain often here is, can we join this group? Can we invite that group? Shall our ministries collaborate and work together? We see this trend reported in the conclusion of Worship and Music's report, which asks, how else can we support other ministries? We see this also in the involvement of the youth whenever there are needs in OSC or in children's ministry. For example, in the Children's Olympics, some of the children, some of the youth, uh, when they were able to, when they had no small group meetings, came in to support and to help in whatever ways they could the children's ministries. And then in the OSC, the social concerns food drive that we had, a number of them came to help pack donated food into boxes. They were not co-opted. They just voluntarily came. They attended a workshop on migrants and uh, their lives and engaged with adults in discussions. I'll take an example, WSCS. Now, WSCS is a very traditional um agency that was set up years and decades and decades ago. One of the characteristics of WSCS is that they have a kind of a shadow government. For example, when the church has missions come, the WSS also has a missions come. The church has an evangelism committee. WSCS has also an evangelism committee. But what is special about our WSCS is that the WSCS has actually pledged that every office bearer would serve in the corresponding committee or ministry. So for example, the evangelism rep in WSCS would then join the church in evangelism committee. DNN will join the DNN committee. And that is very helpful because um, then we can work together as a church. And then we see also the Mandarin and the English congregations. We are organized very differently, uh, not only in language, 
but in the way we do our ministry. And yet they constantly look into each other's interests, and neither congregation regards the other as different or separate from them. The Mandarin ministry may have Christmas outreach, and English doesn't. And yet the Mandarin ministry will make sure that it doesn't clash with anything that has, that's happening in the English side. They will then invite the English side not only to participate with them, but to even join them, uh, join them in the planning, in the things that they do, to contribute to each other. And that's really heartwarming. Take another, another example, our Sunday lunch and breakfast. Mandarin service starts at 9 o'clock. And they have the breakfast from before the service to about up to 11 o'clock, which is when the English service starts. Early in the morning, their members come to clean the place up, set up the tables, prepare the water, the boiling water and everything else. And they do not begrudge that what they do helps the English side as well. But not only do they prepare for the morning, a number of them stay behind for lunch, and they don't just eat lunch. They also help out in the cleaning up, in the serving, in the entire ministry, the lunch and the breakfast ministry. Now that really is very heartwarming. To see the congregations work together, each one looking to each other's needs and serving one another. You know, a church could do very much, could be producing a lot of good work, good programs. But there's nothing like the joy of serving together, where people from different committees, different ministries come together, not caring about the lines to be drawn between one committee, one congregation and another, but wanting just to serve together, wanting to involve one another, and to be involved in each other's ministries. Another very notable strength of agape is the commitment to death, as opposed to simply doing the job. What do I mean by that? That when they serve, they want to make sure that what they do counts. Not just, well, I did my job now, well, we just leave it alone. But rather that they want to see that when they minister, they look into various aspects and try their best to cover the aspects so that what they do really counts for the people they serve. Let me give you a very clear example, children's ministry. Now, children's ministry is very much the pride of our church, as with many other ministries, but they are like a pride because of the props, the excitement programs that they have. Do you remember the series on Saw, where our children were videotaped bringing us on a tour, an airline, uh, uh, flying a plane and bringing us on a tour to the River Nile, to the Garden of Eden, to Babylon. Do you remember how beautiful those props were? They were really our pride. We would bring people in just to look at the props. All the Children's Olympics, where we had tracks, uh, racing tracks, we had archery, we even had fishing, a new sport. But do you remember how the noise they made, the hype they had, the fun that everyone had. The whole congregations, both congregations were even called to draw picture portraits of ourselves and stick them on the wall to show a cloud of witnesses cheering the children on. 
It was such a fun, exciting, beautiful activity. For four weeks we did that. <clears throat> but you know, beneath <clears throat> excuse me, these exciting props and activities is a deep commitment to not overly not merely create children's ministry to be a fun place to go to, but to minister deeply to children and their parents, as well as to equip parents to nurture their children in godliness. Did you know that the specific needs of every child are looked into? Adult members are recruited and we need more. Sometimes to simply sit with a child with mild learning disabilities or a child who is disruptive. You see, we have learned that it is that we will not leave any child alone. We will not just dismiss a child and say that child is too disruptive. We will not take care of the child. But rather, every child is precious to us as they are precious to God. And so when they see a child who is disruptive, or mild autism, or mild learning, learning disabilities, they would assign an adult or two to just quietly sit with the child, to look into the needs of the child. If the child gets destabilized, they might bring the child to a quiet place to calm down. But that is how they see their ministry. Much time is spent ministering to parents. We have single mothers, we have parents who face distress, stressful situations. And time is spent with them also to comfort, to counsel, to guide. And also to link them with the adult service, whether it's a Chinese service or the English service. Each person, each family, household is cared for and concern is given for each one. Or take the youth ministry right, as another example. Youth leaders are regularly reminded that the emphasis is on individuals, not just on numbers. Regardless of how quickly the ministry grows, how many people there are, each individual matters. In fact, at one point when they were inviting friends to harvest event to a time of fun, they were taught not how to invite the friends to church alone, but how to faithfully journey with them whether they joined our church or not, how to share some of their needs and introduce them to the, to the youth leaders, how to continue to journey, to walk with them as friends when they have joined our church or when they have not. People matter, and that's the emphasis in youth ministry. Or our worship ministry. Worship ministry is rather large, with, um, including AV people, sound people, um, the worship leaders, the musicians. It's a large, rather large ministry. And yet all of them commit themselves to attending monthly training sessions, um, help them to grow spiritually, or training sessions that help them with their technical skills. There is a commitment to be effective. Small group leaders, for example, we used to have monthly meetings and they'll come just to be trained in various skills, facilitation skills, Bible study skills, pastoral ministry skills. And the list just goes on. But what this reminds me is that our people are not just interested in getting the work done as quickly, as easily as possible and to say, well, done my job, but rather to want to do their best wanting to be effective to the people whom they've been called to serve. 
let me then mention one more trait. Agapians do care. The third trait is that they do care for one another and for others outside. They care very much for others. Evidence of this is seen in the recent food drive, where the food bank commented that our collection was a lot in relation to the scale of the event. Small church, large donations. And it reflects the, the, the degree and the depth of care that they have for people outside the church. It wasn't just the donations that were impressive. Those who turned up to pack as well as to distribute publicity flyers was oversubscribed. We were initially afraid, worried that we might not get enough people, that we may have to do two rounds. But when the people came, we realised that there was more than enough. Another evidence of this is the attendance of a three-session talk on being a people helper and the fact that people turned out eager to learn to be more effective in helping people is a testament as to how much our people care. Take another example, the happiness group under the Mandarin ministry. Happiness group meetings are very, very demanding of your time and commitment. Three months before the meeting start, the facilitators are meeting every week already to prepare. And then when the meetings start, they still continue meeting every week to pray, to prepare, to encourage each other. And then the real meeting begins. And there they give all they have to help people who are not Christians feel the love of God, to feel included and embraced. And you know how sacrificial that is? It's not just to win people to your church. They've got people who are outside of Singapore where they link them to another church. This is how much they care for people. And so, as I think of the leaders and the members of Agape Methodist Church, I'm truly grateful for their labour. And we know that this labour was also inspired by God. Because of that, He will also bring growth many ways to the church because her people, his people, have been faithful. Let us pray. Father, today we want to thank you for the people in our church. The leaders were so willing to serve one another. For the people who serve, who want to be deep, who want to care holistically for those entrusted to them. For those who, members, each ordinary member, who comes and who cares, whether it is in interest groups that, <clears throat> that brings newcomers, whether it's in a ministry that does difficult work, we truly thank you. <clears throat> we thank you that though we are small, <clears throat> you have raised many people who are huge in their hearts, large in their hearts, people who would want to reach out to others. And Lord, we are truly thankful for them. And so God, as we, as I know you will say to each of these persons, well done, good and faithful servant. We ask that you continue to inspire us to plant and to water 
and then watch in anticipation, not in a stoical way, but with great excitement and enthusiasm and anticipation as we watch you bring the growth in various ways to the work that we have done. We thank you as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Um, I really thought that it would be good um, that you understand the things that are happening in our church. And we thank God together. Have a blessed week. God bless you. Goodbye.